0: Hey everybody, it's Emily Nagoski I'm Amelia Nagoski. And you are listening to the Feminist Survival Project 2020, the podcast for people who believe that being a woman is neither a disease nor a moral failing and who also want to survive through the election of 2020. Shit show that it's going to be. One of the primary resources we have in the toolkit for survival that we're creating with this podcast is... Meaning and purpose, which there's a lot of research <laughs> so bad. that demonstrates that meaning and purpose, so having purpose. a sense of meaning, purpose is definitely good for your mental health. And, uh, but the way they never really define meaning or purpose, they just ask people if they feel like they have meaning and purpose, and people are like, "Oh yeah, I definitely do," or "Nope, I definitely don't." And it's a it's a mess. So we had to come up with a definition. Yes, um, distilled from the various pile of messes in the research. And what we came up with is that when you have meaning in your life, you feel like you are part of something larger than yourself. And you make meaning by engaging with that something larger. So the primary task in order to be able to have meaning and purpose in your life, which is one of your most important tools, is to know what your something larger is. But really, The way we understand this is through Disney Princess movies, especially Moana. There are critical things to say about Moana, especially from and a lot of other culturally Disney appropriate. Movies. Yeah, there's yeah. yeah, and we want to talk about Moana because it actually does a really good job of this whole meaning and purpose thing. illustrating being part of something larger. The TLDR of Moana. P.S. Everybody should watch Moana. I don't know why you haven't yet. Because save us, Lin Mo Mo your only hope. Okay. <laughs> So Moana is the daughter of the village chief of Motunui, this Polynesian island, several thousand years ago. Uh, but she feels called by the ocean to cross it and explore. And in fact, she is chosen by the ocean in a moment that is defined by a specific musical theme where the ocean chooses her to Cross the ocean, find the demigod Maui, and restore the heart of Tefiti. The heart of Tefiti is this literal stone, this round stone with a spiral pattern on it that was stolen from Tefiti, the goddess of life and abundance. So when this blackness starts to kill all the fish and kill all the coconuts and make it so that there's no food, Moana answers the call. She crosses the ocean. She finds the demigod Maui, and she tries to defeat even the worst enemy. The worst enemy at the end is a uh, Tika, the lava monster. And she fails at first, and Maui fucking splits. He's like, nope, this I'm is Mau- too hard. I'm not going to do it. And she's left alone. And she has this black moment where she sinks into a pit of despair and she tells the ocean to choose someone else. And then her grandmother appears to her as a ghost and says, remember who you are. And Moana sings a song. Who am I? I'm the daughter of the village chief. We are descended from voyagers. We found our way across the world. They call me. My ancestors call me. I delivered us to where we are. I have journeyed farther. I am everything I've learned and more. Still, it calls me. The ocean calls me. And then she has the revelation. There's a key shift in everything. And she sings, but the call isn't out there at
1: all. It's inside me. It's like the tide always falling and rising.
0: And that is the very nature of meaning. The call is... The call is coming from inside that house. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But not in a scary way. In like a... In a good way. In a warm you carry it with you way. And listen... Moana is the Maori word for ocean. Mm-hmm. Disney was not trying to hide this <laughs> Jungian analysis. It's a metaphor. The ocean exists inside her. She is not called by the ocean as something outside herself. She is calling herself. It exists inside her, which is really good news. Because if you're something larger, is not something out there that calls you, but is something that dwells inside you permanently, it doesn't matter how terrible things are. It doesn't matter how much of a shit show 2020 is. Nothing can disconnect you from your something larger and so you always have access to meaning and purpose which is going to help you survive 2020. Maui bailing is not the first adversity that Moana faces even back home on her island Motunui. Uh her father the chief keeps telling her, no, no, everything you need is right here. You don't have to go anywhere. We're not going anywhere. It's not safe. Stay here. Stay here. Everything Literally. Everything is here. The village of Motunui is all you need. And it is her, her grandmother's, they refer to her as the village crazy lady, is the only one who supports Moana's exploration of her own sense of calling, her own identity. Um, so when the grandmother comes back at the end and... Maui leaving is the final thing that, like, makes Moana give up. It is recalling herself, that voice of the crazy lady that says, oh, no, you you should be that thing that you feel you are. Remember who you are? You are your father's daughter, stubbornness and pride. Mind what he says, but remember, you may hear a voice inside. And when the voice starts to whisper, to follow the farthest star, Moana, that voice inside is who you are. But it's the crazy lady who gives her this message. The village does not perceive this woman as being someone intelligent and wise and of value. Mm -hmm. Maui does not perceive her as being Anyone who can do anything in particular, why would the ocean choose a curly-haired non-princess who can't even sail? So because the meaning, the something larger, is something you carry within yourself, it does not matter if the people around you value what that something larger is. You can always go back to it yourself and it will fuel you just as much. So what's your something larger? And uh, if you don't know what your something larger is, how do you find out? What's your something larger, Amelia? Well, it's complicated. It's kind of just something larger as a as a vague concept. <laughs> it manifests as being a conductor, the work I do as a conductor, connecting my students with music, connecting myself with them and myself with the music, and then the audience with all the work we do. It's the same process that I do as an author working on the burnout stuff, like talking to people about being connected to something larger than themselves, about, Um, turning toward their own difficult feelings with kindness and compassion. It's all the same work. And it's the work that I need. It's um, so complicated. It's basically um, the goal is humanity. There is this feeling that you have when you do it, that you know that it's the thing that you're doing. Yes. So how I discovered it, I didn't... See, I can't even name it now. I don't even know what it is. Um, it's, It's a sense of like... I, this is like the only example where you had it before i did you were a kid yes and when i was in it. the eighth grade no i didn't get this what i got was i was in eighth grade and i would stand listening to the vinyl lp of like phantom of the opera <laughs> waving my arms and like pretending to conduct and i knew i was going to be a conductor i just knew And so for a long time, I thought conducting was my something larger. And really, when I have to talk about it, like to journalists and stuff, I shorthand it as conducting and music and art. But really, it's bigger than that. But conducting was my way in. Conducting was the thing my body recognized as, oh, this gets you in the door to this other bigger thing. And I didn't know that for a long time. Um... But my body knew this is how we're going to step through this door into this larger world. Yeah. So it makes sense to me that all the barriers you experienced in your doctoral program, which you described in the very first episode, yes. are actually, those are barriers, obstacles, white douchebags who are standing between you and your access to your something larger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So no wonder it felt like so much was at stake because something was. You need that shit to survive. Yes. Yes. And when I talked about anything to do with this, literally, word for word, the feedback I got was, that's not music. Are you fucking kidding me? That is, that's the essence of music. Like, according to Aristotle and Plato and Pythagoras, that is literally the definition of music. It's the interaction of humanity with the universe is fundamentally music, but like, apparently if you're a musicologist in the 21st century, the definition of music is just, pitches and rhythms, and that limiting sense of what art is, of what humanity is capable of, felt so shitty. Because it's not just a dismissal of what the work I do is, but of who I am and of who all students are. Yeah, it was deeply enraging and frustrating. And oh my god, are they right? Because these are people in positions of authority. Do they know something that I don't know? Mm -hmm. Turns out, no. They're still so, white douchebags. It's your father saying the village of Botanui is all you need. Yeah, the exploration of the ocean doesn't matter. Consider the coconut, the trunks and the leaves.
1: The island gives us what yeah. we need.
0: Yeah, and no one leaves. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and they were saying like legit coconuts are all there is. Yeah, and Moana in that moment You're goes, "So here me? I'll stay." Yeah, so here I'll stay. Yeah, you know, my people beside me. Yeah, I'll build our future together. Yeah, turns out are. turns out that's not enough. So you figured that out. So you knew how to get there. Yeah, I knew that I was going for something larger. And I was denied permission, denied access to that by people in positions of authority. So I didn't know anything about this for a long, long time, I only came to articulate my something larger. My something larger is teaching women to live with confidence and joy inside their bodies. And as you know from the introduction to this podcast, uh, doing this podcast is part of how I survived 2020 because it's me engaging with my something larger by helping you to live with confidence and joy inside your body I came to that by reading a book about, like, your personal brand and shit. (laughs) I know. Yeah. (laughs) So I had bought... Anything with the word brand in it should not be a connection to something larger. That's very surprising. Yeah. So... I guess you never know. I... Had not, like, the way my career happened is a spotlight would appear ahead of me and I would step into it, not knowing where it went, but it was the only spot of light ahead of me. And so, of course, that's where I went. And then the next spotlight would appear and I would step into it. And I had no idea where I was going or why. I was just following the lights that appeared. And so, what this book had me do, I have no idea what it was, was go back and trace, like, what was it that I found in each of those steps? that made it worthwhile, what was valuable. I like what held all these things together, all of these choices, all of these opportunities that were the right fit for me, what was it about them that was right? And I figured out, oh, what all of these things have in common, everything from basically when I started college to 31 or two was, oh. So whatever I do, I'm teaching women to live with confidence and joy inside their bodies. I see. Now I know. And I figured out what that was by looking at the work and seeing what it was getting me connected with. So you never had the experience of being enraged and frustrated and stymied from your something larger because you were literally getting there. Through doors opening, being like, here's something larger, come through here. Here's something larger, come through here. Here's something larger. And I was like, I can see I have to walk 87 miles and there's 14 doors between here and there. I need to get through those doors. And I had the very clear sense of people standing in front of the door saying, you shall not pass. Right. (laughs) Whereas I like bumped into a lot of doors that didn't open. Right. And you were like, (laughs) and I was like, what's going on? I don't understand. And then a door would open, I would go through it. And like, and I I bounce around in that space and be like, I don't know what the next step is. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what this is all for. And then a door would open and I would go through it. Yeah. And, uh. That That's okay. how my
1: whole career so, has
0: worked. So because we you had to read a book and I had like an intuitive sense of a thing that I, to for this once. day, still can't name. Um, yeah, for once, I'm the one with the intuitive sense, but it also made my life more frustrating because yeah. I had a
1: sense of what it was. Totally.
0: Let's talk about how people can figure it out if they're not sure what there's something larger is. Okay, this is another thing where there actually is research that exists, mostly from positive psychology, which we have critical things to say about, but some yeah. of these are, are really valuable They strategies. haven't defined their terms, but they do set out some very helpful... You know, activities, steps you can take, skills and strategies. Number one, the one I really like the most feels a little dark when we say it out loud, but it is to write an obituary because one of the definitions of yourself, yes, your own obituary. When you die, what do you hope will be said about you? One of the definitions of meaning is the sense that your life has a final, ultimate, purpose that you were here for some reason you were here to do something so what is it when you die whenever you die and we're gonna have a whole episode about the fact that you're gonna die and time affluence and how to plan your life given the fact that you're gonna die what do you hope will be said about you in public so this might actually be really surprising amelia when you did it yes my it was full of thanksgiving and (laughs) cooking with my stepkids which is not a thing that I ever, ever talk about in real life to anybody publicly ever, 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 Except ever. right now. Except apparently right now. <laughs> I don't know why, but. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it is, I do feel like that's part of the other larger something larger, the interaction with,
1: I, I, yeah. feel, I feel like it's I mean, all part, part of the I mean, you raised those things. kids from when they were well, really,
0: you were part of the family. I, I, was,
1: I was definitely part of it. And I, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, And mine, I don't have stepkids. And at the time that I was doing my personal brand strategy work, (laughs) I I wasn't even married. I didn't even have a dog yet. If I had gone through a personal brand strategy, like, the kids would never have been part of my personal brand strategy. (laughs) And yet when I did the obituary exercise... Your kids are what showed up. Yeah. Yeah. So... Maybe that's why my yeah. something larger is so clearly. But when I look at like when I feel that experience of being connected to something larger, when I feel the hollow aching of my life feeling too vacant of meaning, because there's a lot of you have the experience of your life being full of meaning. You have your the experience of your life sort of not having meaning when you're just like running errands or whatever. And then there's the experience of there being a an active absence of meaning where it's missing. There's something not there that you need. And a lot of us will try to turn outward to look for what feels like it's missing. Yes. When actually it's a thing that exists inside your body, no matter what kind of terrible things happen. The most helpful thing for me learning about meaning was... Recognizing explicitly that meaning is not a thing that you are given or that you discover, meaning is an action that you take, the participation and engagement with something larger than yourself, I have very rarely felt like I didn't have meaning or purpose in my life, but I have sometimes thought that life seems arbitrary and stupid. And I would think of that as an absence of meaning, but no, it's just because, yes, sometimes there are arbitrary, stupid things. Yeah, sometimes life is arbitrary and stupid. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you don't have a sense of meaning and purpose as long as you're still participating and engaging with your something larger. So uh, strategy number one for finding out what your something larger is if you don't already know or if you can't identify what things you do to engage with your something larger is to write an obituary or a life summary, if that feels better. Like when you come to die, if you were going to write a summary of what your life was like and what mattered about you.
1: You want to tell people,
0: here's what mattered to me. Yeah. Be aware that a lot of people feel like there's something larger is not good enough. Yeah. That the village of Motonui is all you need and they feel like that should have been it. That even if a thing feels trite to you or small, we use an example in the book of Sophie attends Star Trek conventions and she feels mm-hmm. really connected to this utopia that is that is the future version of life in Star Trek. The world might not say that like, oh yes, that is a legitimate thing to be something larger. But
1: it can be as long as it makes you feel connected.
0: Yeah. Well, the attending the conventions is how she engages with her right. something larger. Exactly. And her something larger is like science for everyone. And dwelling in this fictional future where all of the barriers have already been knocked down is a really like joyous way. And I think that's what people dismiss, is it should feel like hard work. It yeah. should be a form of torture right. to engage with your something larger. No. Or, or it has it's to be- It's allowed to feel delightful. It has to be important. Like, you have to cure a disease. You have to- No, not necessarily. No. Nope. Mm-mm. So that's number one. Number two is to ask the people who know you best, your best friends, your partner, your kids, your parents, whoever you feel like, can answer the question, when I am at my best, What am I doing? When I am most holy myself, what am I doing? There are not many people in my life who would be able to answer this question. I don't even know, could you like answer that question because I like I would definitely, if you asked me that question, I would be like, that would be when you're conducting or doing score analysis. Mm-hmm. That's when you're you, when you're not fighting yourself anymore.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's complicated
0: because when you are yourself is a complicated question. Like who is the self and who is you? Right. And uh, is it just a matter of when you feel comfortable or when you thrive or what, yeah. So it's gonna be a conversation, not just as somebody's not gonna come up and be like, oh, I know exactly when that is. It's, you're gonna have to explore what it means to be you. Yeah. Which is also a <laughs> worthwhile thing to do. One of the ways to think about this is in the context of flow. Uh, If there's this whole big body of research is a very popular body of research, you've probably heard other people before us pronounce the name Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who is this researcher who invented this word flow to describe the experience of disappearing into the work you're doing, where it's just difficult enough to engage your attention without feeling frustrated. We're going to talk about that in the next episode. So when you experience flow of disappearing into your work, and it just being difficult enough to engage your attention without making you feel frustrated. That's how you engage with your something larger. That's how you know it's your you. Yeah. And then the third strategy is to uh, imagine you have a friend who is really struggling to feel like life has any meaning or purpose and wants to engage. What, as your best self, are you going to say to a friend who has that hollow, vacant feeling that life has no meaning and there no purpose? And then you write that letter, and then you read it back out loud because it's a letter to you. Those are three strategies that the research suggests are effective at figuring out what your something larger is even when you don't know. And how you can create for yourself the sense of being connected to something larger. So there's two skills. There's knowing what your something larger is and knowing what behaviors help you to engage with your something larger. Because one of the metaphors we cut from the book, because yeah. it ultimately didn't work, is the idea of, of meaning is your vitamin Y. Get it? Vitamin Y. And we had this (laughs) metaphor that it's like leafy greens. The mere existence of leafy greens is not not enough enough. to nourish you. Right. (laughs) You have to engage with your something larger. Engage with the greens. You have to engage with the greens. And one of the things that's most important is recognizing that even when terrible things happen, because you're something larger is not a thing out there. It might look like it's something out there. The ocean might look like it's out there. It might sound like it's calling you from the outside, but actually it's coming from the inside. When terrible things happen, you recognize that it's inside you and nothing can separate you, like when Moana's grandmother, the village crazy lady, comes back as a ghost and nudges her to remember who she is. Morana recognizes the call isn't out there at all. It's inside me, coming from her own heart. She's not the chosen one because something outside her chose her and called her across the distance, but because something in her own heart was calling. And so without even knowing it was happening, she chose herself. Again, Moana is the Maori word for ocean. It's a nice literal lesson. Whatever calls you, whether it's the ocean or art or your kids or democracy or teaching women to live with confidence and joy inside their bodies, it's not outside you. It's inside you. Your family lives in your heart. Democracy lives in your heart, the ocean, the art. Confidence and joy live inside you. And sometimes terrible things happen that threaten to separate us from our something larger. But no matter what happens, human giver syndrome is a key thing that will interfere here. It might be natural disasters. It might be acts of violence, disease, loss. Nothing stands between you and your something larger. As a conductor, I have a kind of a weird job because, especially as a conductor of student and amateur choirs, Many of my singers engage with their something larger by coming to sing in my choir and what I'm doing is facilitating their connection with mm. something larger. So I hear a lot of people coming in. they're miserable, they're stressed and they kind of want to just curl up in bed and hide for a while. but they come to rehearsal and they sing and they participate with this other group of people and we make music together. and whichever aspect of that, they would call their something larger they're engaging with it and they make it and they feel better when they leave rehearsal yes. having spent time not dealing with the things that are causing their stress but by managing how bad they feel by reminding themselves that they're part of something larger it it's it's amazing to be
1: a part of that That's- and like all the cycles
0: and rhythms we describe in the podcast stress is a cycle we're going to talk about how connection is a cycle. Meaning comes and goes. It's like the tide, always rising and falling. But nothing and no one can ever separate you. So we're going to tell a fairly dark story, a public example of someone engaging with their something larger through their work. In uh, her memoir of her body, Roxane Gay, in her book Hunger, she tells the story of being. This is where it gets super dark, just letting you know ahead of time. Yeah, she this was is taking, a content warning. Let's officially just make this a yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So skip the next 30 seconds, if you like. Um, She was taken to a cabin in the woods by a boy she was dating where a group of boys held her down and raped her. It's a terrible thing that happens because of human giver syndrome. Givers are expected by human beings, which is what those boys were, to cede control of their limbs, their insides. Nobody in that group Who assaulted her, hated her, nobody was mad, they just believed they had a right right. to her body, even if she screamed, well, they did it. And so she screamed at first, and then she stopped screaming, and she was 12 years old.
1: old.
0: No decent human being can hear a story like that and feel that what happened was right. No. But a lot of well-meaning people will try to impose meaning on it as if she's engaging with her something larger through an act of violence. We reject that entirely. What can the sexual assault of a child ever mean? We've seen in other episodes, including especially The Abyss, that isolation and helplessness are the worst experiences we can have, and they are the opposite Opposite of of meaning. meaning. They are how meaning drains out of our lives, Mm -hmm. which makes this terrible thing the opposite of meaningful. Meaning yeah. isn't made by the terrible things that happen to us. Yeah. Meaning is made by the people to whom terrible things happen when they engage with the something larger which exists inside them and cannot, cannot be. be touched mm-hmm. by those terrible things. And Roxanne Gay, through her writing, engages with her something larger, which makes meaning and no terrible thing can stop her, through her meaning making, she creates space for other people to whom terrible things have happened, to tell their stories, to feel that they are not alone, to recognize that even through adversity, there's something larger weights inside them. It's not gonna go anywhere. It is not Roxanne Gay's job to create that space, it never was, but that space is just what happens when a person to whom terrible things have happened makes art by engaging with their something larger and puts it into the world. Your something larger lives inside you. Maybe everyone disagrees. Maybe your family wants you to stay home or leave home. Maybe even your mentors are skeptical and only the village crazy lady agrees with you but you hear it. Over the noise of human giver syndrome in your brain, through the screaming agony of violence and injustice, you know, you can hear the call in your heart. And we know it too. To paraphrase "Moi" to Moana, we got your back chosen one, go save the world. And that is this episode of the Feminist Survival Project 2020. If any part of this was written, it was written by us, Emily Nagoski. And Amelia Nagoski. To the extent that it was produced, it was produced by my Merrill euphemism. Amelia to the music. And
1: we do have a meaning song that I wrote back when there was a metaphor about vitamin Y and the leafy greens. Because Emily said, it's like cabbage. And I was like, you can spell the notes of cabbage on a musical staff. So I wrote a cabbage song. And about, then it
0: turned out cabbage is not a leafy green. It's yeah. a cruciferous vegetable. Yeah, so. The whole thing fell apart. But, but we still like the
1: song. It's a memorable song to help
0: you remember what the, what the results are and the feelings are of having meaning and purpose in your life. Go ahead and get your ukulele. Yeah. Or, as Moana would say, ukulele. Would she, though? I I, I don't know. Ukulele is a Portuguese word. I learned this from a friend of mine who's Hawaiian, that ukulele is actually a Portuguese word, so you don't have to pronounce it
1: like it's Polynesian. Okay. It goes. C-A-B-B-A-G-E Meaning is a leafy green (laughs) Grow it yourself by listening Play or connect or sing with me Leaving a legacy behind Or heeding the call to serve mankind Or loving someone Loving someone, that's enough C-A-E-A-B-B-A-G-E Meaning is a leafy That's the worst I've ever played that song ever I made so many mistakes, I'm sorry Should we keep it though? I think we should just keep it. (laughs) Let me play it again like really well so you can keep it. You can just stop.
0: We hope this helped. If it did and you find yourself wanting to have a conversation about it with other exhausted feminists in your life, please share it. And then I hope you'll join us for another episode next week when we're going to talk about frustration.
1: In the meantime, I'm going to do a second take on the Cabbage Song. C-A-B-B-A-G-E Meaning is a leafy green Have you made any mistakes yet? No, keep going. Grow it yourself by listening. Play or connect or sing with me. Leaving a legacy behind, or heeding the call to serve mankind, or loving someone, loving someone that's enough. Cabbage meaning is a leafy green. Leaf. I tried.
0: That's what matters.